Hi folks, a very quick announcement before we get started on the episode this week. And that is a huge thank you to Katie Unicorn Stewart. I don't know if your middle name really is Unicorn. If it is, that is an awesome name. So the fabulous Katie Unicorn Stewart gave us a recent review on Apple Podcasts about the recent Governance Summit summary. So five stars for Take On Board, she says. Loved the recent Governance Summit summary podcasts. Super useful. Katie, happy to help. Thank you so much. And thanks for taking the time to do a review. So a little prompt for others that might be listening. I love it when I get reviews and you might get read out on the pod as well. So get in there and work out how to do ratings and reviews and let me know what you think of the pod. All right, on with the show. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast. I'd like to start by acknowledging that I am recording on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I pay my respects to Elders past, present and future. I also acknowledge and respect the continuation of cultural, spiritual and educational practice of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, and I extend that respect to any First Nations people we might have here with us today. Being on a board can be an incredibly valuable, interesting and exciting experience. Yet it can also be lonely, challenging and, let's face it, pretty hard. So here at Take On Board, I'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you navigate your way onto a board, onto your next board and to build your governance wisdom. Now, on with the show. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'm doing an on-air strategy session with Mallory Pem. And in fact, in saying that, Mallory, is that how I say your surname? Yes, it is. I was actually thinking about that earlier because a lot of people don't pronounce it correctly. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Got it right. First up, Mallory, uh, if you could just introduce yourself to the Take On Board community. Sure. So... I have a background in public health, that's sort of my education background, and I'm currently in the early stages of my career, currently working in strategy and planning at a public health service in Victoria. I've been involved through that role in sort of organisational strategy development, implementation and performance measurement, among sort of many other strategic projects and pieces of work that that span across the organisation. And then outside of work, I do have a real interest in volunteering you know, I'm volunteering my time towards causes that are really meaningful to me and allow me to sort of contribute towards addressing health inequities and the social determinants of health. I've always thought that I would be interested in pursuing leadership roles later on in my career. I always had, you know, that idea, but it was only recently through talking to my peers and mentors that I actually realised volunteering my time on a board could be a really great way to actually develop my leadership and governance skills now rather than waiting to you know gain experience in those things later in my career. That is excellent background Mallory and just for people in the take on board community just to give you a bit of background about how this came about. Mallory's already said that she is a volunteer in various things. We met at one of those volunteer events. So she and I are both volunteering for a program called Assista, which is a mentoring program run through the YWCA, where you get matched up with a young woman and mentor her uh, or work with her or meet with her or hang out with her. So I went to the mentor training, gosh, I don't know, about six weeks ago now, I guess. And 
And as things happen, they say, oh, pair up with the person next to you. So I turn to the person I now know to be Mallory and she's like, oh, I just need to let you know, I work in strategy and planning at the Royal Women's Hospital, and which is where I'm on the board, and Sandy Bell, who's also been on this podcast, who I've also been on the board of YWCA with, as we're in the YWCA offices, when I saw your name, I asked her about you, and anyway, that's how this came about. So not only did we meet at a volunteering session, but you work at the organisation where I'm on the board in strategy and planning, which is one of the key roles of board members. So we had this conversation, like Sandy, I no doubt said, yeah, of course you can be on a board now. Like that's exactly what boards need. They need different voices. And as part of that, I said, why don't we do an on-air strategy session? (laughs) So folks, that's how we got to be here as part of this conversation today. So then for you in exploring leadership roles, the boardroom, you're already, we already know you're right on it for volunteering, but for board roles, what would be of most value today? What do we need to explore for that for you? You know, although I am really interested, I don't actually have any board experience or direct board experience, I guess. And in thinking about getting that experience, I've been a little bit intimidated or unsure about exactly where to start because I I don't think I ever really thought of a board role as something that a young person would do. I think, you know, mm. I had that idea that it's for people at the late stages of their career or they're, you know, moving into retirement and they get to sit on a board and have that leadership and governance role. But I didn't think that young people near the beginning of their careers really had a role there. You know, pursuing this sort of thing, you know, I'm not really sure if I have all of the relevant skills that I need if there are other experiences that I should actually be looking at to develop those skills Mm. before I look at a board position. And I guess I'm also interested to learn a little bit about how board applications might actually differ from, Mm. you know, my typical job applications and how I should sort of go about writing an application. All righty. Well, let's start delving then, shall we? So there's a couple of things that I heard in there. How to develop your experience which kind of leads into what could you do before a board role and what would board applications look like. In a little bit, I'm, I'm going to skip to the end, but there are a range of boards, sorry, there's a range of organisations that overtly value the younger voice in the boardroom. How old are you, Mar- Mallory? I'm 26 at this point. Ah, okay. Awesome. So YWCA the officers which we met, my first board, Sandy, who also helped put us in touch, first board, the YWCA has allocated roles for young women. When I was on the board, it was still a federated model. So I was on the YWCA Victoria board. It's now a national organisation, but I think it's the same or similar rules would apply. So for the YWCA Victoria role, we had four roles on the board set aside for young women. And we defined young women as 30 years and under. So if they still define it that way, you are in YWCA terms, a young woman. But there's other organisations as well that have allocated roles. So the Foundation for Young Australians has a number of allocated roles. Oak Tree has allocated roles probably YMCA, but possibly not, Girl Guides. There's a whole range of organisations that have roles for younger board directors. So I would say check out some of those organisations and check out how they define young because for some of them you might already be too old. Yeah, I have noticed that. (laughs) 
<laughs> so for some of them, I think it's oak tree, but I could be wrong. I think it's 25 and under. So you're already, weirdly, you're already too old for that one. I think it's definitely worth mapping out some of those organisations that you have an interest in and what their requirements are for young directors because then you know it's an organisation that values young voices and you know that it's a role where you will have some other young people around you as well. You won't just be the young person in the room where people turn to you and say, Sue, what do young people think? It shouldn't be a representative role. And again, I I think I've said this on this podcast before, but with YWCA, one thing I loved about that, there was four young women, so they weren't alone and they were just board members, just board members. You know, they weren't the young board members, they were board members and they participated in the same way as those of us that weren't quite so young. And I think that's what you should be looking for, one that will give you the experience and totally value your voice as an equal in the boardroom, not as the young person in the boardroom. Thinking about your experience then, again, the YWCA was my first board. I was probably, I don't know, late 30s, I think, when I joined that board and I'd never been on a board. And everybody's first board, they've never been on a board before. So I wouldn't be too fussed about not having board roles to put on there. However, I just want to explore that a bit further because sometimes when we really think about the experience that we've had, there may well be governance experience. So, you know, you've said you volunteer a lot in organisations. Have you been on any committees or the leadership, I guess, of some of those organisations, even if it wasn't called a board role? Um, I guess I haven't. It's probably because up until recently, this wasn't on my radar Mm. particularly. And so when I Mm -hmm. looked for volunteer experience, this is just not something that I would search for. And so it's not something that I really have a lot of experience in outside of my current role at the women's and, you know, the the interconnectedness between obviously working in strategy and planning and and you know the board's involvement in that so that's yeah. really I would say the only experience I've had sort of peripheral to to a board but not sort of directly working with yep. or on a board yeah yeah okay but that is you know your work in strategy and planning which as I said at the top is a key thing for boards and so I'm guessing from that process You might have got some insight into how boards work. I hope you got a good insight being somebody on that board. But anyway, don't comment on that. (laughs) Um, So you've You've, got some experience experience. of what governance looks like, I guess, in that way and what the role of the organisation is and what the role of the board is. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's skipping slightly, but when you asked about board applications, so board applications should focus on what the value is that you would give to the boardroom. Now, in terms of the skills that you would lend to the boardroom, I would say strategy and planning would need to be front and centre for that for you. Experience in public health, whatever else it may be. It depends on what sort of board roles that you're looking for So we can, and we can come back to that. But for board applications, I would say even though you might not have a huge amount to put in the governance section of a resume, it is still worth having a separate board resume to your normal everyday professional resume. And a board resume, it's shorter and sharper and focused on those skills that you will lend to a boardroom. So it might start with an overarching statement about what sort of board that you want to make the contribution to and how you want to make a contribution it would then focus on the skills that you will lend to the boardroom. 
So you've no doubt got a whole shopping list of skills. Some of those will be more relevant to the boardroom than others. So it's really highlighting those that are relevant to the boardroom. Highlighting any governance experience you've got. You haven't been on boards before. That's okay. You might just put under just inverted commas, put under governance experience that you were involved in the strategic planning process at the Royal Women's Hospital, which gave you an understanding of the lines between governance and operational and and strategy and planning and those sorts of things. You would also outline your professional experience, but much more briefly than you would do in a normal professional resume. And you again, you would highlight your achievements that relate to the skills that you will lend to the boardroom. And the referees that you choose may be those that are more focused on board roles rather than, and that would highlight those skills rather than those that you might have for your professional resume. So in thinking about that, just in thinking about your resume, what would you say are the key skills other than strategy and planning, because that should definitely be on your list, that you would bring to the boardroom? Yeah, obviously strategy and strategic thinking and, you know, my my experience in strategy and planning is something that I would highlight. You know, I also have a really natural curiosity, which means, you know, I love to read and explore and research when I come across anything that I haven't heard of or don't know so well, even just a word in a meeting or, you know, if I meet someone and I'm not, you know, I don't understand their role in an organisation, I'll just either I'd be asking questions or Googling as soon as I can and, and just, you know, I have that real natural curiosity about a lot of mm. things. And so I think that is a skill. I think it can also actually hamper my decision-making ability because, you know, I'm forever <laughs> gathering the information and feeling like I need to know everything and that I can never know everything before I actually make a decision. So that's a bit of a balance, I think. <laughs> Aside from that, I, you know, I have really good written and verbal communication skills, you know, that I've been able to develop through my work and I have really great attention to detail. And although I would consider myself decent problem solver and quite task oriented, but I think that my current role in strategy and planning has taught me to be a lot more flexible and to be able to adapt quickly and sit with mm-hmm. a level of ambiguity. And I've become more comfortable when I can't solve everything straight away. So I think developing that as a skill as well, from my understanding, could be quite useful in a board role. All of those things are key skills for the boardroom. And I love that you've got a mix in there of hard skills and soft skills. I don't necessarily like that terminology around hard skills, soft skills, but it is a very useful summary. And I love that you've got a bit of a mix in there. Like I would say something like, although it's interesting, you know, curiosity, I would say is a bit of a soft skill. Although then you threw research in there, which could be a hard skill as well. Anyway, whatever it is, it's a nice mix. Okay. So if you were doing your resume, you would highlight those at the top. These are the skills that I bring to the boardroom. And I would say, don't put a shopping list of 27 things, make it sharp. Three or four are your key skills that you bring to the boardroom. On the other side, when you're reviewing applications, if people put 10 inverted commas key skills, I'm like, well, this doesn't actually tell me what you're good at. It tells me a whole list of things. And I want to know when we get Mallory in the boardroom, what exactly is it that you will add? Because we've got a group there. It's a group decision-making. It's group dynamics. We don't need every individual in that boardroom to have everything. Yeah, making it really sharp about what those key skills are that you will bring to the boardroom. 
And have you got in mind then in terms of applications or resumes, is there some achievements that you could list that highlight those key skills? Definitely in my work currently, I've been directly involved in the whole process of developing, finalising and now implementing a strategic plan. And so I think that would demonstrate some of those hard skills, I guess, as you were saying, around strategy and planning that are really important for the role of a board. You know, some of those other skills I could probably highlight definitely through some of my other experiences in volunteering and even some of the key projects that I was a part of through my Master of Public Health. I think, you know, I could write those in a different way in speaking to you about this. I'm thinking I can write those in a different way than I've currently written about them on my professional resume. Fantastic. I just want to come back to the board roles and the experience that you need. As I said, everyone's got a first board, so you don't need to worry about that. And you've got some governance experience. So you're actually in some ways a step ahead of some others that don't have that at all. I talked about some of those organisations that have allocated roles for young people, but there's some other programs as well. There's the Board Observership Program. That's for young people, inverted commas, which is people under 40. So you've got plenty of time for that one. (laughs) But the Board Observership Program matches people with organisations. So organisations sign up to the Observership Program and individuals sign up, they get matched and they provide a training and support for 12 months to observe that board as well. So there's a, and there's no doubt other programs. In fact, shout out to the Take On Board community. If others know other programs, these are just the ones that I know. If there are other organisations or programs that support young voices in the boardroom I would love you to let me know when this episode goes to air I'm going to put a post in the Facebook group and just ask for other ideas as well because that could be useful Um, but yeah there's a range of different programs that will provide that support as well. I think we were discussing recently the YWCA have a Mm -hmm. board traineeship program for um, I think it's women under 30 so oh. yeah their definition I do make it in as a young person according to them oh, so awesome that's something so I think I've that... been thinking about applying for as well so I think it closes this week yes so I've sort of been trying to get an application together in the background but I think this conversation I was waiting for because I thought this would be really helpful to understand how I can write some of my experiences mm. in the right way to really strengthen that application Okay, well then for that application, let's focus there. Is there any, like we've talked generally about applications, but for that application to put that in, because you definitely should put it in, is there any specific things that we need to work through to help you to bring that application together? Well, I guess they break the application down into some key sort of questions to address in the cover letter. There's a question around how will you use the skills gained through this experience? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've started to work that response up Um, it comes down to my I guess actual interest in wanting to uh, pursue a board role and position and part of that is is about my professional development and those key leadership and governance skills but you know I'm passionate about the representation of women in leadership roles and positions that's part of the reason that I'd be keen to develop these skills and gain these experiences so that you know I can like so many great women that have come before me, sort of contribute and shift the balance of women in the boardroom and one day mentor other young women to do the same, the way that I have had the opportunity to be mentored in this space. 
so that's where my response is heading in that section. But if you've got, there's anything I'm overlooking. You are totally on the right track there. I'm guessing that what they will want to hear is that it will, you know, you might end up in the boardroom of the YWCA and that's great, but you might not, but you are still going to be using the experience that you get to give a leg up to other women in the boardroom and you will continue that regardless that you will show that leadership. So I think you're totally on the money there. Perfect. The other part of the application is why feminist leadership and governance are important and I think that ties into those interests and passions of mine as well. You know, my response is along the same lines there. So, Actually, I'm interested. Why is, in terms of what you've written so far, why is feminist leadership important in governance? What have you come up with? It's a great conversation to have. So, yeah, where's your thinking at or your response to that question at currently? You know, for me, in line with those interests and passions around women's representation in leadership Mm. positions and particularly in board positions because I know that women are very underrepresented in the boardroom typically you know, and other gender diverse groups are underrepresented Mm. compared with men in those positions. It it really comes back to that for me. It's about actually shifting the balance and that helps to create further opportunities for groups that are underrepresented in those positions, whether that's women, but also, as I mentioned, other gender diverse groups, Mm. you know, culturally and linguistically diverse groups that often are severely underrepresented in positions of leadership and and governance and power. And, And, you know, I see that more broadly in Australia, you know, through to our leaders in government, our politicians. And so if in some small way, you know, this is a space that I can try and create some change in by just pursuing these opportunities myself and then being able to as we spoke about mentor and open up those opportunities for other young women or other people who who really should be in these positions. Um, That's something that I'm really interested in doing. And, you know, I think that I really align with the the values and the mission of YWCA as a feminist organisation. But I think that those values need to extend far more broadly outside of that organisation. And so the reason I'm really interested in this board traineeship program is that, you know, whether I might end up on their board or a board elsewhere I think in some ways actually taking what I can learn there to a different organization and um, embedding some of those values and those leadership styles Mm. at a different organization that might be you know a really good thing to sort of open up those conversations. And and you're right, it's an interesting point there as well that you might actually bring more value to another organisation rather than YWCA because it can help that organisation also live those values. Yeah, it's a great point. You're on it in terms of that question as well then. So is that all, all inverted commas, That's is that all there is in the application? Yeah, there were those three key questions that you, they ask you to address in a cover letter and so... Fantastic. And it, it's due this week, isn't it? We're recording this in early April. By the time it goes to air, it will have closed. In fact, by the time, what, what are their timelines? By the time this goes to air, we might have a response. What are the timelines after applications? I think it's sort of around May, June that some of the um, orientation and training, you know, some of that sort of starts. So yeah, it's, it's could be, you know, it's quick, have an outcome by that time. Okay. <laughs> Well, uh, when it goes to air, I might come back to you before we put it to air, just getting an update at the end. Just one other thing to add in there. I'm sure you've worked it in there somewhere, but you should definitely say you are volunteering for the assister program with Wyatt. Yeah, yes, I will. And had popped that in my resume already 
as commencing 2022 because I did want to yes. highlight that but now that I you know might have a match I could probably just put it in there as current volunteer so yeah, yeah absolutely that'd be good yeah fantastic do they want referees have they asked for referees I think that they will and you know I was hoping that I might be able to <laughs> request that you could be a referee for me if if I get to that stage yeah and Sandy Bell Sandy's a life member of the YWCA, which is a pretty high regard for why I'm not. I am a member, but not a life member. So yeah, very happy to have a chat about that. But Sandy should definitely be on your list. (laughs) She's offered to definitely be a referee. So that's great as well. And even during your work with the strategy with Su Yin, did you work um, closely with Su Yin? Yeah, we did. We worked with Su Yin during us. So Su Yin is also a life member, not wanting to get myself off the hook but you might actually because Su Yin's a life member and you probably worked more closely with Su Yin so we can you know the why women are everywhere and yeah they really are (laughs) (laughs) so um that might be something to think about as well so yeah okay no that's really good yeah yeah so we've talked about some of the experience and looking to develop it. This internship is a great way of doing it. If you're not successful for this internship, because it is a pretty competitive process, I think they only have four positions. Is that right? They have two. Ah, okay. So it's quite a competitive process. If you don't get that role, what's next on your radar for building that experience? Well, this is actually a question that I had jotted down for today because I have looked at a few of these sort of traineeship programs and whilst they look like amazing opportunities and a great sort of stepping stone for someone in my position, they usually are quite competitive. And if I am not fortunate enough to be able to have that opportunity, I guess my question is around what your advice would be for continuing to pursue you know getting board experience is it about finding a a smaller organization a local organization and just trying to get some experience there or what would you recommend as you know a a different way to approach it yeah so I think having all of those things on your radar is great but as you very rightly point out some of them are quite competitive I think you should be doing both things at the same time applying for the various internships traineeships younger roles all of that sort of stuff and applying for board roles in other organisations. You've got some fantastic experience. And for organisations that really value diversity, which should be all of them but is not, but for those that really value diversity, having a younger voice in the boardroom is of value. Part of your value to the boardroom is that you are young. Part of your value to the boardroom is that you haven't been on a board before, that you will be asking those open, curious questions around things because you don't have the experience. So that's actually part of your value. So for applying for board roles more generally, if you could tomorrow land in any boardroom of any organisation anywhere, what would it be? I would be really keen to pursue, you know, tie some of my sort of volunteering interests and goals and my more professional development goals together and you know using my background in public health I'd be really interested in organizations that sit in that health or um, social impact space Um, so anything Mm -hmm. from healthcare organizations through to organizations that that address more the upstream those social determinants of health Mm -hmm. that work with communities in that way 
I think definitely in the not-for-profit sector, like I'm looking to consolidate my interest in volunteering with interest in a, in a board role. And mm-hmm. so whether that's at a really local level or a larger organisation, I'm not really sure at this stage. Two things. A, keep an eye out on what's advertised, not just board roles. So sometimes organisations have external people on their committees and their board committees or their advisory committees. So have a kind of a broad lens, I guess, on where that involvement could be. So I would definitely keep an eye out on what's being advertised um, but also just starting to shake the tree of any connections you know. Because you work in public health, because you work with the board, you will probably be reasonably closely connected to a number of other people who are in organisations on boards or on committees. Get on the coffee rounds, basically. It's not something that I... I don't naturally sort of do that classic sort of networking and reaching out to people and looking for opportunities because I feel awkward about it. But I think in speaking to people like yourself and Sandy, like you just realise how connected people are and, you know, all the great things that people like you have done and all the great people that you've met and there is an opportunity to use that a little bit and connect through to new people and new opportunities. And think about it at worst, let me frame it a different way. You said before that one of your skills was around research. Think of it as a research project. So you're doing a research project around what might be the boards, the committees, the advisory committees that you could make a contribution to. And in doing some of that research project, my punt would be that you would check places online, all of that sort of stuff, but you would always also speak to people. Mm. So it's a research project and it's a research project that may or may not end up in a board role for you, but you will definitely learn more about it and make some of those connections through it as well. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, that's a good way to think about it. (laughs) It sometimes makes it a bit less stressful for people uh, in thinking, oh my God, do I have to reach out to people? You know, at worst, you're just going to have a couple of coffees with people that you'll learn some good stuff and 90% of people are really open to it. They are open to having the conversation. Yeah, I have realised that in just trying to be a bit more curious and and put myself out there and just meet people and ask them about their experiences. People are really open and keen to share and for the most part that's it's been a really like positive experience more so than I expected. So, yeah. In fact, given we're putting this to air, take on board community that are listening to this, if you're involved like maybe in a public health organisation, maybe in a not-for-profit health organisation, in health. Actually, it doesn't even need to be in health, I think. If you're involved in a not-for-profit board and you'd be happy to have a cuppa with Mallory and just talk her through what's involved and have a chat about it. It's no obligation. It's not her pitching to be on a board role. It's just her doing the research around what boards are about. Again, I'm going to add that to the Facebook post when we put this to air. And if there's anyone out there that would love to do that, let us know and we'll do some of that matchmaking as well. That would be amazing. I just, one of the ways I do really like to learn is just by talking to people about their experiences and asking a lot of questions. So if anyone is keen to, yes, let me buy you a coffee and have a chat about your experience, that would be amazing. Excellent. One of the things we love about the Take On Board Network, (laughs) they support each other. The community is there. Yeah, beautiful. (laughs) Is there anything else we need to work through for today's conversation? 
being able to talk through the particular application for the YWCA traineeship that's been really helpful and helped me to get some of my thoughts together and provide a little bit more direction on how to put that application together but just the more general discussion around my the skills that I do have and how I can approach further developing those and pursuing a board position that's been really helpful as well. Fantastic. I'll get an update from you, actually. Once you know what's happening with the YWCA internship, please give us an update because they will probably go to air at around about the same time. So fingers crossed for you on that one. But knowing that it's a competitive process, there are some other options in there for you to pursue as well, partly shaking the tree of the take on board community. Fabulous. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for being (laughs) so open with sharing when we just happen to sit next to each other at our own mentor training. Um, Thanks for being so open with sharing. Uh, I know that when people listen to these on-air strategy sessions, it gives them ideas as well. So, So thank you for being open to having the conversation on air and sharing it with people. Yeah, sorry. Thank you for um, for having me. It's been, you know, so helpful for me and just to be able to pick your brain a little bit and ask some of those questions is really, really awesome and more than happy to turn it into a podcast to, um, to sort of put that information out there for anyone else that it can help as well. So that's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. Thank you so much for being here and being part of the Take On Board community. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together. So I invite you to join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group, an active group that helps, supports and cheer squads each other. Just search Take On Board in Facebook to find us. I'd really love it if you could also do some of the other podcast things. Share with someone you know who might get some value from our discussions. Subscribe if you haven't already. And... Well, I also really love it when people rate and review. Thanks again for being part of the Take On Board community. Now go and put these tips, tricks and advice into action so you can be your best in the boardroom.